Welcome to Get Yourself Back, a podcast designed especially for those recovering from narcissists. Here, I teach you how to heal, how to feel lasting peace, lead with love, and create the life you want, no matter what you've been through or who is in your life. Hi, I'm Laura, by the way, and I'm the coach for people dealing with narcissists who have lost themselves trying to survive. It's time to get yourself back. Let's go. Hi, folks. So before we get started, I want to introduce myself a little bit. So for those of you wondering, yes, I am related to John. We are sixth cousins once removed. Uh, If you're listening and that didn't make any sense to you, don't worry about it. Okay, so by the way, right, by the way, is my real last name. It's all run together. There's no separations. There's no hyphens. It's just by the way. I didn't make it up. (laughs) I'm married into the by the way family. And um, it's really fun because it's a super unique last name, right? But my maiden name is Svetlicic, which is Croatian. So it's kind of fun to have two really unique last names. But I just go by Laura, by the way. And uh, yeah, that's really fun. So, all right. So today we are diving into the first step in my five-step process to heal from narcissism. Are you ready? It's called self-responsibility. So let's discuss the goal of these steps. All of the steps are uh, have the purpose to help inspire you to feel empowered, to feel more in control of your life, and to feel a deep sense of peace regardless of what is happening around you, and especially regardless of who is in your life. These steps are really simple, but they are the opposite of what you've been taught to believe. So if as you're listening, as you're learning, it's possible your brain will resist them. You might disagree with them. That's okay. It's part of the process. Just listen anyway. Try them on just for fun and see what happens. See how you change, how your experience of life changes. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. All right, so let's dive in. So the most important lesson of this step is realizing that the power to create and heal yourself is actually already inside of you. It always has been and always will be. This power lies in you and not outside of you. And embracing the power of taking responsibility for yourself and for all the things that you do and all the things that you think, right, is so fundamental. What it means is that it's understanding and clearly seeing the difference between the things that you can control and the things that you can't control. So here are some some things that you can control. You can control your thoughts, your behavior, your emotion, your reaction, how you respond, what you do, how you show up in the world, your attitude, how you treat people, how much money is in your bank account, what goals you set, whether or not you reach your goals, etc. right? So here are some things that you cannot control. You cannot control other people's thoughts, their behavior, their emotion, their reactions, how they respond, what they decide to do, how they decide to show up in the world, their attitude, how they treat people. You cannot control the economy. You can't control the pandemic. You cannot control how others choose to spend their money, and you definitely can't control the weather. There's a lot of things you can't control, but that's a good enough list for now. 
Now, you might not love that what others say or do, but you are not in the driver's seat of their cars, okay? So it's really understanding where your control lies and where your control doesn't lie. And when you have been recovering from narcissist abuse for a long time, it's important to be aware that your neural pathways have been trained to think the opposite of this truth that other people are the source of your pain and the source of your actions. And this is because you were blamed for someone else's feelings, someone else's thoughts and actions, right? This is honestly even true, even in non-narcissist situations, right? How many times have we told our kids, don't say certain things because it's going to make that other person feel bad, right? This mentality is everywhere that we think that we control what other people are thinking and what other people are feeling, right? When you were possibly growing up, maybe it was your fault that your mom or dad got angry or sad. And that belief was further reinforced when you did whatever it took to change their emotion. So nowadays, it's just really easy to blame yourself when you believe you've made someone upset. And it's also really easy to blame others for when you are upset. But the first step in retraining your brain to heal and to be at peace is to take responsibility for all your emotion, good or bad, for all of your thoughts and for all of your behavior, okay? Because you are responsible for your own life every single time. You can't control others' behavior even if you've been led to believe that you can. You actually can't. Every person is always responsible to be in control of their own emotions. This applies to you, your parents, your siblings, your exes, your in-laws, your boss, your employees, your church friends, everyone, even the narcissist in your life. So just because people choose not to believe this doesn't make it untrue. Just because others choose to place the responsibility of their behavior and emotion on you doesn't mean that they lack the ability to manage it themselves, right? But you can always control you, no matter what. No one forces you to get angry, sad, or happy. You choose those emotions. So maybe you don't always consciously choose those emotions because they happen so quickly, but I promise you that no one can actually jump inside your brain and force you to feel emotions that you don't want to feel. And if if this idea is kind of foreign to you, don't worry. In step four, we're going to learn exactly how to manage and take control of your thoughts and emotions. But just know for now that you really are in control of both of those every single time because no one can make you happy and you can't make someone else happy, even if they believe that you can. It's it's simply not true because happiness comes from thoughts that you are having and other people's happiness comes from thoughts that they are having. Now, those thoughts may be inspired, right, by what other people are doing, but it's not required, right? People choose to have thoughts about other people's behavior and those thoughts turn into the emotions that they're having. Taking responsibility for yourself means letting go of controlling others. Yes, even though you have been controlled in the past by other people, what happens is you play into the dynamic by trying to control them so that you can feel safe, right? This is the definition of a people pleaser. This is the one who who does, says, and even thinks and feels whatever the other wants them to so that 
they can be happy. That's you trying to control their emotions so that you feel safe. When you take responsibility for you, you let go of that. You allow them to feel whatever emotion they are feeling and you do nothing to control or change it because you know that the source of your emotion is not them. It's you. And it's the same thing with them. You know that the source of their emotion, it's not you. It's them. It's their thoughts. It's their brain, not yours. All right. So imagine for a minute you're having a conversation with some someone. You say something. They get super angry really quickly. So your body immediately starts to fill with anxiety. And the urge you feel is to fix it, to say something different, to take back what you said or change it so that they calm down, to question yourself. Did I do this right? What did I do wrong? Is this you? What do I need to do to make it right? Right? But this is you controlling them so that you can manage your anxiety. Okay? What if you could just manage your anxiety without controlling the other person's response? Okay, this looks like them getting mad at something you said and you simply observing their anger and observing your own body's physical response. Noticing what it feels like to be anxious. Noticing how it presents in your body. In this moment, your anxiety belongs to you. It doesn't belong to anyone else. It's not their job to fix your anxiety. It's your job. And you can do it. It takes some practice, but it's definitely possible. Or maybe you don't manage your anxiety, right? Maybe you don't try to make it go away. Maybe you can just be a human feeling anxiety in the moment. It's like being in a rainstorm. The rain always passes. And sometimes sitting in the rain kind of feels good. But the rain, there's nothing you can do to stop the rain. The rain just falls. You can't change the weather. You can't influence where a lightning rod is going to strike. You can't stop rain from coming, right? That's not in your control. But what you can do is manage how you feel while the storm is going on. So even if the other person wants you to feel anxiety, right? That's a thing because narcissists especially rely on your uncomfortable emotions to motivate you to do the things that they want you to do. They know what to say that triggers an emotional response for you, but you always have a choice because this is your mind. It's your body. It doesn't belong to anyone else. So take it back. All right, so why is all of this true? Here is how the brain works. So the brain can only perceive the outside world through the senses. As the brain perceives tons and tons of input through all of its senses, it processes the input using thoughts. And our brains are really advanced uh, machines, right? They, we have about 65,000 to 70,000 thoughts per day constantly processing the input that you're getting from your senses. Those thoughts interpret the input to produce the appropriate survival response, right? So let's say that you're, you know, in the jungle and you, your eyes perceive physical input. You see a tiger running towards you, right? That sensory input is processed by your brain and your brain makes sense of the input with a thought. And the thought is, oh my gosh, I'm about to die. Or 
I better get going or the tiger is going to kill me, right? These thoughts happen so quickly. And what they do is they produce that survival response, which is the response fight or flight, freeze or fawn, right? In this case, it's probably going to be flight, right? And so your body fills with adrenaline and you run like you've never run before to, to survive, to escape imminent death. And that's, that's how our brains have evolved over millennia. So because, because emotion is carried through the body by chemicals, right? Because your body has chemicals that start in your brain, and are produced through the rest of your body, right? Emotion itself is actually very hard to control, but thoughts, on the other hand, are 100% in your control. You can actually choose how you interpret the data coming in because interpretation is always optional. There are multiple interpretations available for any given data, right? So as soon as you choose the interpretation, the emotion is triggered, And then the emotion is carried throughout the rest of your body. So as it's happening, right? So when the anxiety response is being processed throughout your body using the chemicals, right? Actually controlling that response is really difficult. It's like controlling your own blood flow or your own heartbeat. It's, it's, it's possible to influence it, but it's actually very difficult to, to, to stop or start without looking at your thoughts, but it's the thoughts themselves that create the anxiety response that you can look at that you do have control over. So what happens is the brain is designed to be really efficient. Incoming data processed by certain thoughts over and over and over again will actually start to happen automatically. So this is called a classical conditioning, right? So an input comes into the brain and then your brain interprets it. Like, so for example, in Pavlov's famous experiment with the dog, right? The dog interpreted uh, food as... I'm going to get to eat, right? Or whatever thought he was having. We don't know what the thought the dog was having, but let's just assume that as a human, we look at food and we see food and we think I get to eat now, right? And the response, the physical response in the body is salivation. And when you add the input of a bell to the input of a a, a dish of food, right? That creates an association. And so the dog is literally triggered to salivate just by hearing the bell. So you can take the food away, but if the bell happens, the dog will start salivating because it believes that food is coming because both of those things have been associated with eating. Anyway, so that, so the efficiency of the brain is such that it doesn't take um, processing the same amount of input over and over, uh, doesn't take the same amount of brain power because your body adapts and it becomes part of your subconscious mind it becomes a, a, um, a process that is automatic. And so triggers are like that. When you are triggered by something, it's because there's an automatic input, thought, emotion response that is happening lightning fast. And in order to interrupt the trigger, you, you have to become aware of the thoughts that create the emotional response and do the work to change the thoughts. And it takes some time. The brain doesn't love uh, all of that work because it takes a lot of effort. (laughs) The brain doesn't love effort. Um, But once you switch the thoughts over, then the brain readapts to the new thought pattern 
and it becomes part of your subconscious. It becomes an automatic thing and there's a, a whole new trigger, right? So that, that same experiment with Pavlov's dog, they were able to disassociate the sound of the bell from his physical response of salivation. They were able to uh, take it out over time. And then when they, when they rang the bell, the dog ceased to, to, to salivate, all right? So that is the work. Your emotional response to some things might be immediate, so it doesn't necessarily feel like you have control over it, but that is the work to do. That is how we learn how to slow down and find the thoughts that are happening when you hear words or see others' behavior that would create an automatic visceral response in your body. So next time someone in your life that you care about or that you typically have an emotional response to, next time that person has an emotional moment, say they get angry or they get really sad, and that typically triggers you to feel anxious or guilty, right? Take a step back and just observe. Notice the thoughts running in your mind. Notice the emotion you are having in response. Give it a try. Maybe write down some observations. Maybe if you can't really notice it, it's just happening too fast. Take out a pen and paper and just write all your thoughts about this person feeling the way that they're feeling. You know, why do you feel anxious when someone is mad? Why do you feel guilty when someone is sad? Right? Write it down. Be as uh, specific as you possibly can. And this, I promise you, is such a powerful practice because the idea is gaining awareness, which is the number one thing you can do to start healing is becoming aware. All right. So let's talk now about taking responsibility, what it doesn't mean, what taking responsibility does not mean. So it doesn't mean that you're a jerk and that you lack compassion and that people's suffering is their problem and you shouldn't do anything about it. No, that's, that's not what that means. If someone is suffering, understanding that it's their thoughts and emotions means that you no longer feel the urgent need to fix them. You no longer blame yourself for their emotional response. But you can sit with them. You can understand by saying, I would totally feel that way too. You can be empathetic. You can say comforting things and try to help them if that's the kind of person you want to be, right? But the difference here is that you love them and you honor their right to feel how they're going to feel without a sense of responsibility to solve for their emotion right away. You are a witness to their emotion, not a savior, Okay, so just try it on. What would it look like? How does it feel to allow people to feel how they're going to feel and not feel super responsible for fixing it all the time? Take responsibility for yourself also doesn't mean that you have to blame yourself for your own emotion. Okay, so blame is a dirty word. I don't like the word blame. I don't like the word fault. It is not allowed with any of my clients. We do not assign fault. We do not assign blame to anyone. Blaming yourself means that you are thinking it's all your fault and that you are fundamentally flawed and broken and you won't be able to get better. Okay. But taking responsibility means that you are empowered to make changes you want to make that are all within your control. You own the decisions that you've made. You own the fact that you chose to do, think, or feel a certain way, right? But you also own the ability to change it whenever you want. And finally, taking responsibility for yourself does not look like never asking for help. 
Because asking for help is absolutely an appropriate way to manage yourself. But that it, but what that means is that when you ask for help, you also don't make that person responsible for you because it, it may be that they're not able to help. Maybe they're not willing to help, right? So you move on and you ask someone else. You find a way to get the help you need regardless of who is available, knowing that it's still your job to manage you, even if you have some limitations, okay? All right, so that is step one, my friends. So flip the script, take back the appropriate control of yourself. You can't control others' words or actions, but you can control what you do, think, and feel about them. It takes a little bit of practice and lots of awareness, and we will get to that as the steps progress. So if this concept is super new, your homework right now is to just observe how this might be true as you interact with others. How might it be true that someone else's emotions belong to them and not to you, and also the ability to just sit in the discomfort of someone else feeling the way that they feel. All right, try it out, see how it goes. Because once you master this skill, you will experience freedom like you've never felt before. You'll also feel so much more control in your life. That is, that is gold. Okay. So I'd love to hear how it goes for you. Try it out. Let me know how it goes. I'm always here. If you have any questions, you can email me at Laura at by the way to coaching.com, or you can DM me or tag me on Instagram. I'm at Laura by the way coaching, and I'd love to hear how it goes. All right. So next time we are going to do step two boundaries, right? This is putting self-responsibility into action. It's going to be really, really good. Hope you have a fantastic day and I will see you soon. Hey there. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, working one-on-one with me just might be what you're looking for. I invite you to book a consultation. It's a free one hour conversation focused entirely on your situation that will change your life. Email me directly at laura at bythewaycoaching.com to get started. Can't wait to see you soon.